0: All right, well, good morning. Welcome to 2017, All right? We made it. It's a big year. It's bigger than the last one because it's a bigger number. Um, that's the only thing I can think about it. It's the only thing that's special, really. It's just another day to me. Um, it's another day. Well, this year I turned 40, so that's kind of weird. I know, right? Thanks, Jerry. I know. I'm kind of rubbing it in. Um, but it's a big year for me, Um turning 40 this year. It's like I thought about that this morning. I'm like, geez, okay. Well, never thought I'd reach this time in my life, but here we are. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a new year. So when I think of New Year's, obviously you think of the, the usual thing. Uh, you know, wake up in the morning and you should have already thought about what you want to change in your life. And you have these New Year's resolutions. You have these things you want to do and you want to change. And you want to become this or you want to do that or you want to get better at such and such. I was looking up some research on the top I don't know, top 10 um, New Year's resolutions. And the top three were basically, I want to get in shape or I want to lose weight, was probably the main one. Another one was, I want to quit drinking, I want to quit smoking. Then there was, uh, I want to spend more time with family. So there's lots of different things that you're pretty consistent. If you just walk around, you know, with your normal people you hang out with, and probably you'd hear something similar to that, um, you know, just out in the world, you'd hear those kinds of things. People wanted to change things in the new year. So Pastor Tom had asked me to come and talk to you this morning and speak about kind of forgetting what was in the past and talking about what's ahead. And so I kind of want to share with you some of the thoughts I've been having on that. Um, And I'll just pray real quick and ask the Lord to use me in whatever way he would want to do that this morning. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity, Lord, that you've Put before um, us as a church, Lord, in 2017, to do bigger and better things, Lord, to do um, greater things for you. I thank you for the opportunity that um, I have this morning, just to speak, Lord, to share not my words but your words. I ask that you would um, just be with my fast beating heart this morning. As sometimes when I when I give the message, so I don't want to say something that's of me. I want to say everything that's of you. So, Lord, I ask that you would just speak through me, speak through my words and my my mouth. Help nothing of Derek Watson to come through, Lord, everything of you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, speaking God's word, is a, it's, a huge, it's a huge thing for me. Um, you never want to stand up here and be, um, <laughs> be speaking what you think you should say, because it's like, I have notes. I have tons of notes, and somebody's asked me earlier, well, you're going to go off your notes? No, I do want to stick to my notes. However, I want to be attentive to what the Lord would say, and that's kind of the way I think of these things. Um. So today, I just want to get my message. I want to talk to you guys about choices. Um, everything in life is a choice, right? We have to choo- we choo- you know, choose to eat breakfast in the morning. We choose not to eat breakfast in the morning. Um, I choose to have coffee and donuts pretty much every morning. That's my breakfast routine. We can choose to have something healthier if we want to, and that's kind of the way our life goes. Um, have you ever thought about this, that right now you are the sum total of everything that you, all the choices you've made in your life? You are the sum total of all the choices you've made in your life up to this point. So 2017, January 1st, you are the sum total of every choice you've made in your life up until today. If you think about that, it's kind of interesting. What are you now? Who are you now? Um, you are the sum total of the choices you've made. If you think about the choices you're making today, it will determine who you become and what you can do tomorrow. So today we can all choose. In Bible college, our professors always said, If you want to have an impactful message, you need to start off with a real positive story, something that was really funny or really uplifting. So I'm going to kind of break that rule. Um, I never really did much of what the college professors told you to do anyway, so um, it was college, right? We're all kind of naive and young and kind of stupid. But um, they said, don't ever start with something negative. Well, I kind of want to start with something negative because I think it kind of creates what we want to, to talk about today. So here it is. You are going to experience a lot of pain in life. There you go. Um, You're going to experience pain. All of us will. The reality is a lot of the pain that we experience will be outside of our ability to control. Um, Jesus even said this in John 16, 33. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. Okay, even Jesus said it. A lot of times it's not your fault, however. Maybe a friend betrays you. Uh, Maybe you get into a random car accident. You know, maybe you're Boss decides to lay off hundreds of people, or if you work at a big company, maybe you've been the only one laid off in your job. Um, there's things that you can't control, obviously, but they will be painful events, painful things. Um, maybe your daughter finds a stray kitten, and now you have a kitten. I mean, that's that could be negative, right? <laughs> Anybody cat people? <laughs> I actually am, so I can, you know, it's a kind of a blessing, I guess, um, depending on if you like cats or not. Um, so there's lots of things that are painful. The reality is, though, some of the pain within, is within your control. In other words, you have a choice, one type of pain or another type of pain. You can choose your pain. So I think of it this way. Um, when I was a child, I could choose to obey my parents now or face the consequences of them later, okay? I could either do, take out the trash, or I could wait until they tell me five, six, seven times, And then I could get grounded for it. I remember multiple times getting grounded for what we thought were silly things, like not putting a sandwich in my lunch, which I didn't do it for weeks. My mom finally said, okay, you were grounded for two weeks from basketball practice. I'm like, why? That's so stupid. I remember telling my basketball coach, and he's like, you got grounded for not putting a sandwich in your lunch? I'm like, yes, this is my family. This is how we operate. I remember getting in trouble for not changing the load of laundry from the washer into the dryer dryer. I got grounded for a week or two from practice for doing that not doing that. But, you know, I made those choices. I could have just done what was asked, but what I did is I decided to face the consequences later. You know, looking at it now, I'm going, well, that was silly. I could have just went, you know, done. But we don't think of it that way when we're young, right? Um, In college, I could choose the pain of studying or I could choose the pain of having to take a class over because I didn't study enough to get a good grade. Um, right now, I have to take a course for school, my work. I have to kind of continue my education as a teacher. Um, so I have to take this college course. I started it in July for the summer, and it gave me till June 31st to complete this course. Guess how much I've done? It. Yeah, I've done none, right? But I've got to do it. Now's my time. So this next week, guess what I'm doing? I'm doing my college course. I've got to do it now because I've got to be disciplined in that, and I've got to get it done. Uh, but you know we do those sorts of things Um, this pain of saying no to a temptation but then having the pain of trying to beat an addiction later I think this one's huge in our world today especially in the younger ages when you get into high school high school I think is a turning point for a lot of a lot of people I think in high school you get a lot of things coming in your life and it's new and exciting and then all of a sudden it's an addiction Um, it's a cycle so the pain of saying no to that, but then having to beat it later. Um, or the pain of living within your means and then having to pay and climb out of debt later. It's like, I did it. You know, my buddy's like, hey, get a credit card. Let's go to home. Or was well, it circuit, Circuit City. Stupidest thing I ever did. And I got myself into debt and I had to pay it back. It took me forever to pay that credit card off. But we choose our pain, right? We want to live within our means now or do we want to pay off our debt later? Again, we can choose our pain. So, um, again, Pastor Tom asked me, forgetting what's past, driving what's ahead. um, Aren't those two things based around choices? I would say yes. Isn't a New Year's resolution about making better choices? Isn't living this life God created for us deeply rooted in our free will to choose Jesus? So we all have choices to make. The big decision we're going to look at is this, and it might be in your outlines. I am choosing the pain of discipline over the pain of regret. That's really what I want to talk about today. We want to choose discipline over regret. We can all have different types of pain, but we're going to choose the pain of discipline over the pain of regret this morning. If you're taking notes, let's go ahead and look at a working definition of discipline. So what is discipline? It's in your notes. I'm going to define it this way. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. Think about that. What you want now versus what you want the most. Um, I think we'd all have different things if we wrote these down, right? What is the thing you want now versus what you want the most? So let's set this up. Paul in Romans chapter 7, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to, turn to Romans 7. We're going to spend a little bit of time there. And I'm going to use a couple different translations just because I like the way one says it over another. But it's really the same message. So go ahead and spend some time there for, with me. Um, the reason I love Romans 7 is because it makes me feel good to see Paul wrestle with what he's wrestling with. It makes me feel good to see that Paul's human just like I'm human, and he wrestles with the same things that I wrestle with. And so it's nice to see him struggling and to have him say what he says in this passage for me personally. He almost sounds crazy when he's saying it too, which I kind of like because sometimes I think I sound crazy. Um, if you're new to church, maybe you're not a Christian, maybe you know don't know much about the Apostle Paul. So let me put it in some context real quick. This is a guy who met the risen Christ, right? He met the risen Christ, the real deal. Christ was already dead, he rose again. Paul experiences this glorified Christ, and he's filled to blindness. See, Paul wrote almost a third of the New Testament as well. So if it's anyone who could get it right, it would be Paul, you would think. His struggle is to get things right, just to make sure... Um, his struggle to get things right sure makes me feel good. I often mess up. I act and say to do the stupidest things that I will regret later, but it's just the way I live my life. So Paul says this in Romans seven fifteen, and he says, I don't really understand myself. Anybody else been there? Okay, I love that because that's me. I don't understand myself. He says, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I don't know how many times I've probably played this tape over my head that, what am I doing? (laughs) Like, what am I doing? Why did I say that? Why did I act that way? Why did I think that? Why did I just do that? Why did I go there? These things are just things that me personally, I just go through. He says, I don't really understand myself for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. There's a lot of things I hate, but I find myself doing them. And I'm glad that I'm not the only one because this is what Paul says. And Paul to me, is like the best mentor I think you could have outside of Jesus Christ. He's, he's the man, right? So how many have ever done this before? He said, I can't believe, you know, this is me. I can't believe I ate the whole thing. <laughs> my, uh, my daughter was, we, this past week I've been off, off work, so I took my kids to the school with me because I had a soccer practice to run, and afterwards they're like, let's go to McDonald's. I'm like, all right, let's do it. And my daughter's the pickiest kid ever, right? She won't eat hardly anything besides mac and cheese. Well, we go to McDonald's. She wants a Happy Meal. I'm like, okay. She says, "Why?" Well, what kind? She says, cheeseburger. Okay, cheeseburger. So we sit down, and she's got her cheeseburger Happy Meal, and she's going through it, and she gets the cheeseburger out, and she starts crying. I'm like, what's the deal? So she's bawling. She's like, I didn't want pickles and ketchup and blah, 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 and I just wanted the cheese and the burger. And I'm like, you didn't say that to me, and I should have known, you know, being an attentive father, but I didn't know, so... She has a cheeseburger she doesn't want. So I, I go, fine, give it to me. I'm wiping all this stuff off. Put it back and said, there, try eating it. And she eats the whole thing, right? Don't know, don't ask me why. But she eats the whole thing. She eats all of her fries. She eats everything. And that's the first time I've ever seen her eat an entire Happy Meal, like anything. And I'm like, okay. So we go do some shopping later on. Later on, I, <laughs> we're at Target and I'm looking for some, some clothes and She's she's sitting like this, and I'm like, "What is she doing?" And well, I walk around, and all of a sudden, you know, a few minutes later, she's sitting in the aisle doing this again. Oh, like, what are you? I go, Avery? What are you doing? She's like, "I hate too much." Like, <laughs> I'm like, why are you? I don't know why are you squatting down the aisle though. Just hold your belly or something, right? So she I mean, we do this. You know, there's things that we do. Um, I just thought it was funny. I, I thought. <laughs> She is precious. I have to talk about my kids. I mean, they're the best thing going for me at this point, um, besides my wife, of course. Um, but it just made me laugh, because that's what we do, right? I mean, she's only six, but we're adults and we do that. You know, there's things that we, we do and we regret, like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. So, I like what the message translation says in the scripture. It says this, same passage. It says, what I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. And it goes on. So if I can't be trusted, by the way, this is the message, so it's a little longer. It says, so if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious, which I like, that God's command is necessary. Because you can't do it on your own. You cannot do this life on your own. You can't do it by yourself. You never will be able to do it by yourself. You're never going to be successful. That's the way I take that scripture. Then God's command is necessary. His command is what? His command is the law. Doing what He commands of us in the scriptures, the entire scriptures. So Paul's tone changes in verse 24 and 25. Says he says this. Thank God, I'm a crazy man. (laughs) I can't get it right on my own. I don't have to get it right on my own. He says in verse 25, basically, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And there is your answer. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We can't do it on our own. His commands, his life in our life is necessary. I want to do the right thing. I can't do it. I'm often ashamed that I didn't get it right. I feel so down on myself. I'm always disappointed in myself. I get embarrassed because I'm looking at it going, "Well, okay, God, you're probably looking at me just shaking your head. Like, is this guy ever going to get this thing right? You think by by now I'm turning 40 this year that I would get it right? No, I still don't. I still make stupid decisions. Um, So who can ever help me? Who can ever help me? Thank God that the answer is not in me being better. It's not in me being stronger. The answer is in Jesus Christ, my Lord. So this is the key to our message today: that on our own, we're prone to, over time, make wrong choices. Darn, <laughs> hate when that happens, but we do it. Um, anyway, keep going. Um, with the help and the power of Christ, we can able to choose us not what we want now, but what we really want the most. With the help of Christ, we will choose discipline over regret. So the new year allows us to start fresh, start a new resolution, but things cannot be done in a day. They often happen over time. So Paul's going to take us on this journey. Um, and it's really fun to see his growth through this process as he's starting to learn and tap into the power of Christ and live a more disciplined life himself. And so there, here he is, he says, he can't get it right, but watch how he progresses in 1 Corinthians 9. So Paul uses imagery or the metaphor of a race. And I love the way he says it. So it's one of my favorite passages because for me and personally, I can apply this to a lot of things in my life. As a coach and as a parent, there's a lot of things. You're always feeling like you're in a race. Um, so I love this passage because it's, it's my life in a nutshell. He says this, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? If you're wondering who that is, his name's Usain Bolt. Um, he's the world's fastest man. now I'm just joking. But literally, he is the fastest man in the world. Um, but he will get the prize every time. Um, but no, he's saying this. Paul says, run to win, run to win. Um, How many of you guys just ever run in a track event, track and field? Who's ever done track and field? All right, a few hands. Okay, Um, I did track and field in high school, and I love telling this story because it's true. Um, I was a freshman in high school, and I was a hurdler, and we had a pretty good hurdle team. This is out in Taft. There's, There's four of us hurdlers. I was the only freshman. There was three other guys that were older than me. Two seniors, a junior, and then there was me as a freshman. And I'm like, okay, you know, I, gotta, I got some work to do. because one guy 6'7", the other guy 6'3", you know, they're just big guys. Well, they decide, that our track team decides we're going to go to Memorial Stadium and we're going to run in the Kern Relays. And so I'm like, okay, I'm a freshman, I don't know what that is, let's go. So we get there, um, we're going to do a hurdle relay where it's hurdles down one lane and the other hurdler runs this way next to it, so the hurdles are kind of facing opposite. So you go down, 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 done, four, four guys. So I'm, I'm the first guy. I got leg one. I get in the blocks, and when I notice I'm in the blocks, when I'm warming up, I notice to my right is this guy named Joey Porter. Now, if you don't know who Joey Porter is, he's an all-pro linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers for, I don't know, 10 years Um, he's standing to my right for Foothill. To my left is a guy named Larry Parker. He went on to play for the Kansas City Chiefs and went to USC as a wide receiver. He's running for Bakersfield High School. Here I am, Taft High School, middle lane. I look down the other side, and there's a guy in Foothill named Rashawn Sheehy who also played for the Kansas City Chiefs. Here I am, Derek Watson, Taft High School. Now, I know what you're thinking. Derek won. No. No, Derek did not win. In fact, I had no chance of winning. I know everybody in Memorial Coliseum knew or Memorial Stadium knew that I had no chance of winning. I think they knew that I was not running for first place. However, me, I got in the blocks with one thing in mind. Run to win. Now, I knew I did I know I didn't have a chance. I knew I'd probably have a chance to lose going against world-class athletes. But I had to believe that I was going to win. I was racing to win regardless. My focus, my mindset, my goal, my ambition was to win the race. That's why you get in the blocks in the first place. And that was my mindset. You run every race. But everybody knew in the stadium besides myself and maybe my teammates that we were actually running for third. And we did take third, and we got some medals. It was pretty cool. But I didn't think of it that way. So Paul says that we have to run to win, no matter the circumstance. And I think this is contagious imagery. He says this, all athletes are disciplined in their training. If you're going to win, what do you have to do? You have to choose what you want most over what you want now, right? So this this week, I've been off work. And like I said, I'm a varsity soccer coach. So we've been pretty successful. So there's a lot of pressure to keep our success high. Um, This past week, I've been off. And my soccer team has been off. There's no school. And there's been, you know, Christmas and New Year's is on Sundays. So we have weekday. So I wake up in the morning and we have practice at 10 o'clock. And I woke up and literally every single day going, I don't want to go to practice. I want to sit in bed and I want to sleep. And I want to hang out with my kids and I want to play video games or watch a movie. or I don't want to go spend two hours running around soccer field with kids today. I just don't. But if I want to be successful as a coach, I have to go do it and I have to get all these kids down there because they have to train. They've got to practice. They got to stay disciplined. They've got to be successful. We've got to have a successful program. And this is the way it kind of works. It's a cycle. I've got to keep pushing them. We've got to keep pushing them. We've got to be disciplined. have got to get it done. And so I had to get myself out of bed Monday through Thursday and we had to go practice but that's the way it is. That's the way you you have to do it to be successful. There's got to be discipline there. What I want most is to be the best coach I can be and have a championship team. That's what I want most. What I want now is to sleep in and do nothing for a little while. And that's kind of the way we live, right? What you want most over what you want now, be disciplined in your training. So I like what the root words for discipline is. It's the same root word for the word that creates disciples. So what are we? We are disciples of Christ. We are following Christ. We are disciplined as disciples. So Paul goes on to say, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it in a way to win a prize that will fade away. Um, So I brought something with me today. Um, I was going through the garage, and this isn't actually it, but I was going through the garage. We're doing some cleaning for the winter. We're getting ready to move. And um, I pulled out some old trophies that I'd had since high school in a box. And I looked at that. and I was like reading. I'm like, oh, wow, you know, whatever. I don't even know why I still have them. These things will fade. But some people, this is what they, this is what it's all about. It's about putting this around your neck, being the champion or whatever. But these are the things that people strive for, and these things will fade away. That's what He's saying. You know, what do you get when you win? You get a cheap plaque, a cheap trophy, a ribbon, but all those things will fade away. As Jesus followers, what do we do it for? We do it for what? An eternal prize. This is why we run to win. We're not going to do it for a little trophy. It's going to rot. We do it to bring honor and glory to the one who gave his life for us. So everything we do, do it unto the Lord, not for human acceptance, but to glorify God. That's hard. That's hard. That 's hard, because I always think about what people are looking at me going, "Okay, is derek being, is he doing the right things, or who cares <laughs> in the long run of it? Um, I should care what my wife thinks, what my parents you know my family, but really outside of that, I should be pleasing God no matter what. I mean, I do care what my parents think and my wife thinks and my kids think, but ultimately it's what does God think, and I have to do that every day every day, every day, every time um that's what I should be focusing on. Because if I do please God, I'm going to please my family. I'm going to please my kids. I'm going to please my parents. I'm going to please the people that really matter. <clears throat> um, yeah, I'm going to skip that. <laughs> so then the author to Hebrews he used the same imagery. says this to run the race that's marked out for you. Hebrews 12 1 through 3 says this let us throw off everything that hinders. And the sin that so easily entangles, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So, back in Paul's day, when he wrote this, they knew exactly what he was talking about. There's this um, kind of an Olympic event that everybody in the, at the time would have known about. It was called the Isthmian Games. Hopefully, I'm saying that right. And it was kind of like the Olympics. So, there'd be wrestling, there'd be chariot races, there'd be all these sorts of events. And this is what Paul, this is why Paul used, I think, this um, terminology, because he, I think he knew that everybody at that time, would kind of know what he's saying here. He says, let us throw everything off that it hinders. And I think the reason why he says that is because when they competed, they actually did it without clothes. They would literally strip off everything. It's just really barbaric, but that's what they do. And so he says, take everything off, get everything out. He says, then everything that's basically that entangles. Clothes, if you're a wrestler, would entangle. Um, he says, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for you. So let us go without anything holding us back. Fixing our eyes, and then he gets to the truth. Fixing your eyes on Jesus, who is the perfecter. He's the one who's perfect. He says, throw everything off for the race. Everyone there would have known that th- what the athletes did throw off everything hinders. So I've got two applications for you today. You can't change without choosing. So let me give you two key applications here, hopefully with the Holy Spirit's help, and you'll change your trajectory in your life. Um, Question one, and these are things that I felt like God would say to you this morning. First thing is, it's in your notes, what do you want most? We've kind of already discussed this, but maybe by now you put some thought to it, what do you want most in your life? What is the biggest thing you'd you'd want? So what I want you to think about is, what do you want most in your life right now? Um, Don't, you know, maybe go say something silly, like, I want to win the lottery, or I want to date Channing Tatum, or or whatever the case may be, if you're a young person. Um, You know, what do you want most? Seriously, what do you want most? For some of you, it's, you recognize it's time to take Christ seriously. Maybe for some of you, it's to get closer to God. For someone else, maybe it's going to be time to get in shape. Maybe it's for you to quit smoking. Maybe it's for you to use, lose 20 pounds. Maybe it's something like that. Um, maybe it's for, you know, your loved ones to come to know Christ. You know, what is the thing you want most? Um, maybe it's paying off credit cards. Maybe it's getting out of student loan debt. That was me for a very long time. Um, for some of you, it might be a marriage problem because you don't want to tolerate average anymore. Um, you're no longer going to tolerate bad in that marriage. Uh, you want to honor God. Whatever it is, name what you want most. Hmm. For me, uh, personally, I need to change a lot of things. First of all, I need to be consistent. Um, what do I mean by that? Consistent time with Christ every day. I don't know about you guys, but life gets in the way. I can't be that guy. So there's things that we have to do. There's discipline things we have to do. Pick the area you want most. What is the thing you want most? Because um, I'm done disciplined. <laughs> uh, maybe it's, you know, you need to quit smoking. Maybe it's gambling, cursing, whatever the case may be. Um, start with one thing. For me, it's going to be one thing. Once God deals with that one thing, it's easier to deal with the other things. So that's my challenge for you today. Deal with one thing. God, here's the one thing that I need you to help me with. And there's, yes, there's other things. There's tons of other things. But pick the one you want the most. And go ahead and write that down, by the way. Now, second thing. What do you need to choose now to achieve what you want the most? So what do you need to choose now to achieve what you want the most? So yes, okay, I want to do this, but I know I'm going to have to do this first to get there. So it's as simple. It's about discipline. What do you want the most? You say, I really want to be close to God. That's easy. So what are you going to do? You're going to choose a Bible reading plan. You're going to get up every morning, spend time with Christ. First and foremost, that's me, something I have to do, and I can do it. There's no reason why I can't, but I have to be more consistent in that. Um, I got to see God first every single day, get plugged in at church. Um, that would help. What else do you need to choose now? And you go and do that. Maybe you need to get in better shape. So what are you going to do? You're going to go get a gym membership maybe, and you're going to go get P90X at the, I don't know, local place, health store, and you're going to go and what? You're going to work out. You're going to start making healthier choices. Maybe that's what it is. You're going to go get advice on your diet because diet is about 90% of it. So maybe that's what it is. Um, You want a great marriage. What are you going to do? Maybe you're going to go get marriage counseling. Maybe you're going to start having somebody hold you and your your wife accountable for what's going on in your life. Um, You have date night once a week. My wife and I try to do that. That's tough with kids. But get rid of the kids. I mean, some of if you have them anymore. (laughs) But... uh, if you have, then maybe you're on date night every day, you know, every night for the next last 20 years. But for for younger adults like myself, it's like I gotta we gotta get rid of the kids. Yeah, they're not here today, but that's what you have to do, right? That's what you want. You have to do that. You have to make time for your marriage. Um, if you want to get out of debt, well, go get Dave Ramsey's, you know, financial class and go take do something about it. Don't just sit there and do nothing. Um, go talk to somebody who's good with their money. I don't know, figure it out, but go and make the changes, right? So let Paul guide us through this principle. 1 Corinthians 9 says, uh, says this, so I run straight to the goal with every purpose in and, and every step, with purpose in every step. I fight to win. I'm not just shadow boxing or playing around. Like an athlete, I punish my body, treating it roughly, training it to do what it should, not what it wants Otherwise, I fear that after enlisting others for the race, I myself might be declared unfit and ordered to stand aside. I don't want to be that guy. I know what you're thinking. Yeah, okay, Derek, you look pretty fit. Thanks. Um, (laughs) It's obvious you don't have um, the same disciplinary issues I do. Probably true, maybe. You may think, well, you're pretty disciplined. Um fact is I'm incredibly undisciplined. Um I like junk food, believe it or not. My favorite thing is fast food. If it was not for I okay, there was a Soul Carl's Jr. commercial and it's totally me. It says if it wasn't for fast food, guys like me, you would starve or me would starve. Literally me for about 10 years until I got married. I lived off fast food. I loved it. That's what I did. It's just I don't know why God built me this way, but he doesn't allow me to gain weight. And I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. And I can't do it, right? I know. It's frustrating for some people. It's not like this. I just don't get it. I've, I have the worst dietary habits. My wife's like, how are you not so overweight? She's like, you have the... W-. I'm like, I know. I drink sodas all the time. It's horrible for me. I eat donuts for breakfast every morning, for goodness sake. I, I just don't... I can't figure it out, but it's it's a blessing, but it's a curse. You know, I but I know I can. I I just have the worst habits. I'm not a healthy eater, never have been, probably never will be, and but I should be, right? I should be because I know eventually it's going to catch up to me. I'm undisciplined, so what do I have to do? I have to run with purpose in every step. Um, I need that discipline in my life. I need to eat better. I just do. Okay, it doesn't outwardly affect me, but inwardly. It does. It does. Um, so I think that's just one of the struggles for me. So let me paint this picture for you. I'm going to do as best I can. Um, I think of it this way, and this is just kind of analogy. Um, we all have a yard, right? You have grass in your front yard. And so maybe you say, you know what? I want a really nice lawn and there's some grass there for you. Get a visual. just so you, in case you're wondering what a lawn looks like, um, is that your yard? <laughs> my yard is <laughs> my yard is completely fake. There's no, it's not real grass. It's artificial turf. Oh, wow. So I've dealt with this issue already <laughs> personally. So yeah, we've got a nice. People drive by are like, why is that green? You know, what's well, green year-round? So hey, we don't have to water it. No not to mow it. It's perfect. Um. So anyway, but you say I want a green yard, okay? I want a nice, lush, lawn. okay? So, in order to get where you want to go, let's say to the mailbox, you have a walkway around your yard, and it leads down to the mailbox. But, you know, you've got that area, and it's, it's a little bit longer to go around the yard to the mailbox than it would maybe to go straight through the front yard to the mailbox, right? So, what you do, as you do, you take the long way around. You go down the sidewalk, you go around the yard, and you go to the mailbox, so, it's fine for a time, right, doing that? But over time, what do you do? Oh, you know what? I think you walk out the front door. I think I could probably just this one time cut across the lawn. So, what do you do? You cut across the lawn. And as you walk, of course, you're leaving a little bit of an indention, all right? So, you do that. You decide that what you want now is more important than what you want most, is what you just decided. So, you decide to take the easy route just once, but you want a beautiful lawn. So there's a little longer path to get there. But you say you want that beautiful lawn, but the short distance from point A to point B goes through the front yard. So you think this is an easier path. It won't matter if I travel this path just this one time. It didn't hurt anything. The next day, though, you step out the front door again, and guess what you're faced with? You're faced with, hmm, I probably shouldn't do this again. But what do you do? I did it yesterday. And it was kind of fun, and it was faster. So what do you do? Uh, I think I'll just do it again. Now, it's fun, and it's exciting. Why? And it's not just, I'm not just talking about the lawn, but I'm just talking about general things we do. It's fun and exciting. Why? Because somewhere deep inside of us, when we break a rule, we do something we're not supposed to do, our body releases a thing called dopamine. And so what happens is your brain kind of goes, Woo, that was kind of cool. And it's not something we, I think, intentionally do. It's just something that happens because we're human. And so what happens is you're walking across the lawn a second time. And you think, I'm not supposed to be doing this, but it was fun. It didn't hurt anybody the first time. I'm doing it because it's, technically it's forbidden. And so what happens? You start doing it all the time. And it becomes a cycle. And you're doing it, and you're doing it. Before long, what happens is you have a trail through your front yard. There's a path. There's a pathway. And this is the way that addictions and lifelong struggles happen, is we take shortcuts. And you take a shortcut, and you take a shortcut, and you take a shortcut. Before long, your brain has a neural pathway to whatever it is that you've been doing for once, twice, five, six, 17, 100 times. And after a while, because you've dabbled and you've, you've messed and you've taken that shortcut, you've now got a huge issue. And there's our life. And this is the problem with our society, to me. This is why I feel like I'm a high school teacher at a Christian school. This is why I feel this is who we are. This is who the church supposed to be. Kill it before it gets there, right? Don't allow those neural pathways to happen. And this is what happens. I mean, I, for, for the life of me, I pray I'm going to fight this tooth and nail that never happens to my kids for whatever issue they go through. Pray that we we cut it off. We don't take the shortcut. Um, hmm. It's tough. See, as disciples of Jesus, we have to be dis- disciplined in the things of God. We have to choose what we want most when we walk out and go the long way around, when we look at the lawn and think, man, that looks amazing. Because when we go a long way around... Over time, you look back and you go, man, look how nice that looks. Look at how amazing that is. And that's the way I think I'd like my life to be. There's never a moment where I don't need Jesus. I need him all the time. Um, I never see money in our family. I'm not sure why. I go out and I have a job and I, I make money. I know that. But I don't ever see it. The reason why is because God has blessed me with an amazing wife who takes all my money and makes sure I don't go and spend it. Because she knows the way I would be. Hey, that looks cool. Let's go buy that. i kind of like that dog on that movie, you know, squirrel, you know, like, hey, let's go buy something. And I'm a man of impulse sometimes. I just want to go do it. She knows, you know, but God knows. He's like, hey, you know, I put this person in your life, okay, because I need that discipline. Um, we're moving houses. So guess what? We're moving in, in late January. I'm going to try to wrap this up. No, pretty long. Um, late January, we're moving finally out of our current house. And so, what we're doing now is we're fixing the house that we have to get into our another one because we don't want to spend the money to hire people. So, guess who's doing all the fixer-upper stuff? Me and my wife. And I hate it because I'm not good at it. I'm a novice. So, I've done tiling. I've done flooring. I've done painting. I've done whatever you name it. I've done a kitchen sink, under the sink, plumbing, whatever. I've done it all. And I've I've gone to Home Depot 500,000 times because I don't get the right part. And it's just, it's a nightmare. I hate it. And it's God testing me because I get angry with the kitchen sink. It's like, you got to be kidding me. It doesn't fit, you know? So, but that's, that's it, right? Um, But I have to do that because what I want most is to move into a different house. What I want now is to hire somebody, spend the money, but then we wouldn't be able to get in the house because we couldn't afford it. So for the last year, we've been fixing things because we know what we want most is a new house. And we know that if we hire people and hire it out, we'd never be able to get there financially. There's a choice. There's discipline there. If you do not do something now about what you want most, that will very likely become your greatest regret. Let me just close with that. Let me say that again. If you do not do something now about what you want most, that will most likely become your greatest regret. I for, I, for one, and I'm going to do the best I can, I don't want to live with regrets. I don't want to look back on my life, I'm turning 40, and go, man, for, tw- you know, between the age of 20 to t- 40, I, what have I been doing? I don't want to live my life with regrets. What do I mean by that? I don't want to be the father who says, I'd give anything to go back and have time with my kids again, because I was too busy and I missed it. Um, I don't want to be the husband that says, man, if only I'd stop thinking those lustful thoughts and then I I wouldn't have lost my marriage. I don't want to be that guy. Maybe, you know, somebody's been there. I will not be that man. I will not be the one late in my life that says, if only I'd taken care of my body, I wouldn't be dealing with this right now. I refuse to be the one to live with regrets. See, Christ in me is stronger than the desires in me. The bottom line is this, we all have a choice. We have a choice. For some of you today, it's it's the day that all maybe think something in your life changes. Maybe everything in your life changes. So you're gonna walk out the door, you're gonna look at your yard, you're gonna walk around the grass and not over it. You're looking saying, This is what I want. If I can just stay off the grass long enough, guess what? God makes the grass grow again. See, God is a redeeming God, and I run with purpose in every single step. I run and with purpose in every single step. As God has renewing the places that I trampled on, I would choose the path that always brings healing. I'm a disciple of Jesus, discipline. As a disciple with his power, we choose discipline over regret. If you guys would close your eyes and bow your heads with me. God, I pray for greener grass. I pray for the renewal of maybe the grass in our life, maybe areas of our life that's been trampled upon. I pray that there would be renewal, and I pray that there would be new growth. Lord, right now that we would choose your ways and not our own. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do a life-changing work in our hearts this morning. Some of us here would say that there are a lot of things that need to change. As undisciplined as I am in this area, whatever, Let's just all pick one. God, help us to pick the one area or the one thing we want most. And so what we're going to do is we're going to bring that before God. We're going to say, here's where I'm at, God. Here's what I need, and here's where I'm going. So Holy Spirit, I ask you to minister to, to us this morning. I ask that you would seal the truth of your word deep within our hearts, transform our minds, renew our minds, conform us to your image. I pray that you would create new neural pathways, spiritual pathways in our lives. And that any neural pathways that have been brought into our life, Lord, that we didn't really expect to be where we're at, I pray that those would be broken. I pray that a new pathway would be brought forth, Lord God, one that is wholly led by your Spirit and who you are. God, I pray for discipline in each one of our lives. I pray that you, Lord Jesus, would give us the wisdom, the courage, and the power to make new pathways, Lord. God, I pray that we'd be people of discipline, people of your word. Lord, help me to be a man of discipline and a man of your word. Not a man that knows your word, because that's easy, but a man that does your word. Therein lies the key. Lord, do I apply your word to my life? Lord, help us to do that today. Give us your discipline, Lord. Give us your spirit in a fresh way. God, give us what we want most, but Lord, help us to be disciplined to do the right things in order to get to that point. So give us wisdom. And before we close, if there's something you wrote down and you'd say, yeah, you know what? I, this is what I want most, and God, I'd help you <laughs> I would like you to help me with this. If there's something that is just on your heart, then I just want to pray for that before we close. Lord God, for each single thing that we want the most, Lord, may it first of all be of you. And may we, Lord, make the decisions that would um, help us to get to that point in our life or in somebody else's life. God, I pray a blessing over each Situation, each person's uh, thing this morning. I pray that you would just guide their hearts and give them wisdom and peace and patience, Lord God. Sometimes it takes a long time to see the fruit, but Lord God, I pray for patience. Lord, be with each um, of us here this morning as we go. Helps to know, Lord, we go with you by our side and that you are um, just an awesome God. And before we close, if there's anyone here that your biggest thing is you don't even know Jesus, And I just ask you to pray this prayer with me and we'll close. Lord God, I ask that you come into my heart and into my life. I accept you as my Lord and Savior this morning. I give you the glory and the honor and the dominion over my life. That I would create a new pathway. And that is your pathway, your word, your truth, your design, not my own. And God, whatever things that are in my past, Lord, be done away with. And Lord, I accept and I choose you this morning. I do this in Jesus' name. Amen.